Welcome to Season 2 of the Practicing Presence Podcast, where spiritual formation is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What's up, friends? How we doing? Hope all is well. We are starting a new series. Um... Talking about self-love as divine love. This is a very interesting idea that was just brought to me earlier before we started recording. So I'm interested. Um, yeah, so this, it. yeah. So this came to me from a post by uh, an Instagram account that I follow. And her name is, I'm going to look her up while we talk about her because I want to get all of her stuff correct. But her name is uh, The Traveling Nun, uh, at Traveling Nun, I think is what her handle is. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, at Traveling Nun. Uh, Her name is Bridget Eileen Rivera. She's an Orthodox uh, author uh, of theology. She's celibate and unashamed. Um, And so she's a part of the LGBTQ community, but she's chosen celibacy as her way of moving forward. Okay. So she holds the traditional view of marriage. And as I say, right, the answer to this is probably somewhere in the middle, Mm -hmm. right, on any issue. If you're you're one way extreme on either side, you're probably too far. And so I try to keep people voices in my circle of of all kinds of different perspectives Mm -hmm. and so she's one of the voices i keep and she put a post out one day and it said um you are a divine human being and if you are a divine human being then the then the journey of self-discovery is a sacred act Mm -hmm. um and i just began to think about that I just began to process that. And we looked up some t- some statistics earlier about this and this is this is hard to quantify, right? It's it's difficult to quantify what percent of people love themselves. Yeah. But because defining defining self-love is damn near impossible. Correct. But so she kind of sparked this idea in my head a few months ago. And then um over the last week I had a conversation with someone that's very important to me in my life. And they asked me the question, why do why does God love me? Like, what's my evidence that God loves me? And my answer to them was two things. The breath in your lungs, if we believe that God is the author of life, mm-hmm. author and sustainer of life, then the breath in your lungs is proof or evidence that God loves you. Yeah. Because that could go away at any point. Yeah. The other thing is time. Time is evidence that God loves you. Because in any conversation about the afterlife, nobody ever thinks about the afterlife as everlasting time. It's like, no, it's just eternity. It's just, it's just a loop. It's a never-ending state of being. It's just an existence. A state of existence is not time. And so from a theological question, the reason that, quote-unquote, Satan cannot be forgiven is because he lives outside of time. Yeah. 
you can't be you can't undo something that continues to exist in a singular state of time. This is why people came up with the idea that God cannot quote unquote change. This is also stupid because God can interact like God can move into a world without time or like with time. So um but anyways, so that was my first answer and then I was having it with three people and yeah, me and two others. And at one point, I just remember going, "Bro, your your question is a is a a fault. Like it's a fault. If uh, it's a faulty question, because you're asking for proof about a divinity, and you're looking up for an answer to divinity when you should be looking within to yourself. Because if we truly believe that we are made in the image and likeness of God." then we shouldn't be trying to make up God based on what we create up there. We should be looking at ourselves and how what we see and experience mirrors the reflection of the person of Jesus. That's doing theology from below. Mm-hmm. That means that I need to be looking at myself to make up what God is and yeah. loves. And so... And also... It, it walks pretty far away from this idea that you are bad and can represent nothing good. Okay, so this is, uh, yeah, in my planning of this, this is what the root cause was because <clears throat> we have such a problem with people loving themselves and, like, having self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is because... The church told you you're bad. <laughs> Yeah, the church told you without Jesus, you are totally depraved. Yeah, there's there is nothing no good in, you. good in you. Yeah. Which is so wrong. Yeah. It is it is so wrong. You are made in the image and likeness of God. No. And God, you know, Genesis one is a lot of things. Genesis one is not a science book of how the world came to existence. What Genesis 1 is, is Genesis 1 tells you what the world is. Yeah. And what it tells you is that there were six days of creation, six orders of creation, culminating in humanity. The thing that is the only thing said to be made in God's own image. Mm-hmm. And to be made in God's own image and likeness to be in pursuit of godness doesn't go away because of sin. Yeah. Sin definitely impacts that relationship. Sin definitely is a negative thing. Sin definitely brings about death and, and the experience of death into the world. Please do not hear me say that. But that doesn't mean that you went all the way to totally depraved. That'd, that'd be like, I have two kids. The first time I had to tell my child no. Mm-hmm. Did that mean that every bit of my kid was now bad? Yeah. No, it absolutely did not. It's dumb. That is stupid logic. It's, and all yeah. it did was make people feel real terrible about themselves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you and I experienced this very real. Yeah. Very Growing real. up in the tradition that we grew up in, I grew up feeling like just a mangy piece of shit. Like and constant and constantly questioning your salvation yeah, because you're a mangy piece because you're a mangy piece of shit. Yeah, like constantly questioning your salvation. Yeah. If I die right now, am I going to heaven? Yeah, 
like that was always the question I had. If I die right now, am I going to heaven? Yeah. Am I confident in that? Yep. My God. It's terrible. It, it, like it, what? Yeah. And it, it has contributed to so many other problems inside of myself because I felt like a mangy piece of shit and I yeah. was never going to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. Religious trauma has an aspect of affecting your, your self-love. Like. Correct. Significantly. Mad, mad religious trauma um, for most people that mm. grow up in the church, uh, especially, and I just, you know, I want to name this, uh, and we'll use this as kind of the outline for a lot of the conversations we're going to have, but a lot of that comes from women or comes for women. Women really struggle. If you grew up in the white evangelical conservative uh, Christian church as a woman, you probably really struggle with your self-image. It, it might be a little less if they told you you were pretty and put you on stage to sing. But other than that, and even those women, they all struggle with it. And a lot of it's connected to purity culture. Yeah. A lot of it is connected to purity culture because your value, your worth is connected to your purity, which is also so wrong and so flawed. Yeah. Um. This is a real problem. And so what I want to do is I want to have a conversation that talks about divine love or self-love as divine love. That if we believe that we are made in the image and likeness of God, then our journey of finding ourselves and pursuing love and healing and wholeness and all the things that we're looking for that are would be in pursuit of divine likeness. Um, that is the conversation that I want to have over the next, this next little bit of the series. And so what I want to do with our last 10 minutes is I want to set it up for you. Why does this matter? Well, this matters because it's the first thing the book ever told us about humans. Mm -hmm. Like if you ever wanted to know what the book really cared about, read what it says in its first pages. Golly, that's, that's true for any book. Yeah. Right. Page one. Might be the most important page of any book. Page one and the last page, right? So here's what we learn. Is that Genesis 1 goes through five days of creation. Quote, unquote, days. This is how the book tells the story. They're not actually days. Um, a period of time. Yeah, a period of time. It can't be a day because the sun's not made until the second yeah. day. Like, it didn't know. Um, so here we go. Day six. Also through the first five days, there's this common phrase. There was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Now remember in the Jewish calendar, you count days from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., mm -hmm. right? So it, it goes a little different than us. So it goes evening to morning, the fifth day. And so this begins the sixth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and, the, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. 
and God saw that it was good. At some point, at each point of creation, you get this phrase that, and God saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. You want to know what Genesis 1 is doing? It's telling you what creation is. Yeah. Creation is fundamentally good. Mm-hmm. It has been broken, but it is fundamentally good. And then it picks up in verse 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Boom. Right there. Stop. You got image and likeness. The first two things God told you about us. Let us make humankind in our image. So your being, Your existence as a human in the body you have, the image you portray to the world, reflects an image of God, irregardless of weight, irregardless of tattoos, irregardless of self-expression, irregardless of your hair color, irregardless, irregardless of your skin tone, irregardless of your gender, irregardless of your weight, irregardless of anything. Your existence is a reflection of divinity. You are made in the image of God. And you are also made in the likeness of God. Meaning meaning that your default disposition is to be in pursuit of like God activity. Breathing is a like God activity. That's what chapter 2 tells us. That God breathed life into humans. The Hebrew word, the Old Testament language, and the Greek word, the New Testament language for spirit is also the same word for wind and breath. Your breathing is literally you experiencing divinity. That is a like divine thing to do. Your existence in this world is naturally defaulted to reflecting divinity and being in pursuit of of likeness of divinity. That's the whole thing that messes it up in chapter 3. You will be like God, knowing good from evil. Yeah. That's, why, that's why the serpent is called the tempter, because he's tempting them with something good in a wrong way. you got an appropriate desire that you've manifested in an appropriate way. Yeah. Your natural state is you are a person a human reflecting an image of God yeah. and being in pursuit of a likeness of God. You know what's so funny? I have heard so many sermons say that that was the problem, that they wanted to be like God. But that was the problem. Right. They just did it. Well, it wasn't well, the problem. It's not the it's problem. the way in which they it's went the way about. Of, yes. Yeah. The fact that they wanted to be like God is not the problem. It's because no. they did it through rebellion that was the problem. Correct. It's because they chose to do it in a way that God said, hey, this is not healthy for you. Yeah, this is a boundary that I have set up, um, and they did it anyways. Yeah. So this is, what, this is what it continues on. 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Let's talk about this word dominion. It doesn't mean 
it doesn't mean domination in the way that we might think about it. It doesn't mean conquering. Verse 18 of Genesis chapter 1, well, let me read in verse 17. God set them, the stars that he had made, that they had made, God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, verse 18, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. That's the word rule. That word is like for kingly dominion. Mm -hmm. That's that word. This word is not that. This word dominion is more like, we don't really have a great translation for it, but it's like, It's like, it's a word that reflects, I want to say supremacy, but it doesn't mean supremacy in the way that we talk about like white supremacy. That, I don't know why I did this. White supremacy is a very real thing. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, I did not mean to have the air quotes over white supremacy. I was using it to quote like a category of people, not because I was like, this is like a false thing. No, white supremacy is a very real thing. Um, Dang it, I have dug myself in a hole. White supremacy is a very real thing that people think, and I think that is a terrible thing. <laughs> let, me, let me say, yeah, let me be as clear as possible about what I meant to say. Um, so, what this word dominion means, is dominion means something more like that, that humans are the pinnacle of God's creation. Yeah. That, that they are the highest of what God has made. And so they are to instruct, they are to provide infrastructure, they are to care for creation. That is what they mean by dominion. And that's why they say, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So this is going to be my pinnacle creation. This will be the thing that is the most beautiful the most reflective of me and who I want the world to know that I am. Verse 27. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So now let's have the gender conversation. You, as an individual, irregardless of gender, are made in the image and likeness of God, in pursuit of God. That doesn't change. So women, you are not a weaker sex. You are not a lesser sex. You can do anything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And men, if you try to stand in the way, bless your soul. Um, you know, we'll see. Now here's the follow-up part to this. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So here's what I want you to see. God said that he was going God said that they were going to make them for a purpose. That it was going to be their pinnacle creation. They were going to be made in their image and likeness. And that they were going to have dominion. And then when God actually made them and started giving them commands, dominion was the second command that they gave them. What was the first command? To be fruitful and multiply. To have sex. Yeah. To be a sexual creature. 
Now, not in some like debaucherous way, but what that is to say is you as a person made in the image and likeness of God, your body designed to reflect the image of God and your likeness to be in pursuit of the things of God, you were made a sexual creature. Mm -hmm. Your body tells you that you were made a sexual creature. The first thing God told them to do was to have sex. Now, God will later put some restraints on what that looks like, and I think that's totally appropriate because as we said, there are some things that are divine desires that we have appropriate ways to manifest those and inappropriate ways to manifest those. Having sex with a donkey is probably not the appropriate way to manifest your sexual being. I think God's probably right about that. Like, yeah. I think Leviticus is probably still right about that. Yeah. Um, so, like, that does happen. But the reason I want to bring that out today is because I want you to understand that most of the shame and lack of self-worth that people feel is related to their sexuality. That's right. Significantly higher related to their sexuality. Whether they were a woman that was shamed because she's no longer a virgin, a woman who had a pregnancy out of wedlock, you know, a man who's a 40-year-old virgin, right? We got freaking movies made about that. There is so much lack of self-worth related to people's sexuality. Yeah. We will have an entire episode dedicated to that because the foundational premise of this series is that you as a person are made in the image and likeness of God. And so the act of loving and learning to love yourself is a very sacred and divine journey. Thanks for listening to the Practicing Presence podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.